What if every hard and painful feeling or emotion that you have ever experienced is actually self-created by resisting your reality? Because what is actually upsetting you is never the thing that you think is upsetting you. But instead, it's your resistance to accepting it as it is. When you learn to accept the hard things just as they are, you create space to move through them and to bring new things into your life. That's where you find peace. That's where you find joy. That's where you find love. That's where you find some naked dude in your bathtub with the most exquisite uh, mushroom tinctures waiting to show you the way to the promised land. I am Heath Armstrong, and this is Never Stop Peaking. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt? You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon while your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, make it milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Yo, 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 yo What up? Happy you're here. I love starting out with resistance because resistance gremlins are those slimy little fuckers that do seem to keep us from creating and creating is the best thing that we can be doing. I'm really excited for my guest today. This is the first guest interview I've had in a while. It's been, I did like 10 solo episodes in a row, which was just kind of like this maniac streak. Really good stuff on ways to expand your consciousness um, without using drugs. Lots of different funky things in there. You can go back and listen to the three-part series. There's a, a double episode about natural ways to expand your creativity and your energy using biohacks. And in that episode, I think it was the first part of it, I talk about some very specific uh, mushroom tinctures that I love. And today, dun-dun-dun, I really get... Uh, this is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. I get to introduce you to the founder of the company who makes those tinctures. His name is Jason Scott. I'll get into that very shortly. It's a really robust, long, um, intense interview. I mean, it's it's like it's a lot to comprehend when you're talking to somebody with a brain like this dude, and it's it's incredible if you're interested in alchemy and mycology and the benefits of natural medicine. So, um. You know, a lot of these things help me, they help me manage the, the way that I process myself through life because sometimes it feels like we're in these time warps where it gets real slow, then it gets real fast. And I'm sure that you experience that as well. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. Sometimes it feels soft and peaceful. Uh, in today's world, more than ever, um, you know, it, it does kind of feel like resistance gremlins are showing up with a bag of speed, asking you to rail it off their gooch, but we're kind of stepping back and saying, Hey, like, I don't know. I don't really trust any of this stuff going on right now. I'm just going to sit back and see like, you know, how do I feel? 
and it's been an interesting transition. Uh, you know, the Gremlins, they, they attack us through the urge for speed. They know the world offers immediate outlets for distraction and impulse. And they apply those kind of sly strategies that they have to drive our thoughts and our actions towards these rabbit holes of uh, conformity or stress or fuckery. You know, they dance around our focus and they, they show up and they're railing these mounds of cocaine and shotgunning Red Bulls off of our uh, creativity and our, and our drive and our motivation and our inspiration. They know that between family and friends and work and social media and television and all of the quote-unquote responsibility chores that we have in between, it's really easy to suck us into this high-speed lifestyle which offers us no time to reflect, no time to pay attention to our awareness, no time to plan, no time to create. All of these things are vital to live the life that we love. Rushing through life is the fastest way to end up in your deathbed, especially not remembering how you got there. You know, society makes it really easy peasy to rush, to cram, and to burst through life like a cheetah on amphetamines. But what good does it do to be the first one to the finish line when all that the finish line offers is a guaranteed ticket out of this beautiful world? How much magic will you leave unexplored while you are here if you do this? I, I say so often, like, do not be one of the goons who trades unique, precious moments for dopamine drips and speed binges and, and blackout bonanzas through the corporate jet lag lifestyle and explosive diarrhea from the hot pocket feasts on your couch. The faster you go, the more you're going to miss along the way. The more you rush, the less time you're going to have to absorb the beauty around you. Don't let the gremlins rule your lifestyle. If you do, you're going to feel less. You're going to see less. You're going to experience less. The key to happiness is slowing down and being a part of so much more, not speeding up to miss it. So I hope that you can open your eyes and learn from the greatest example of them all, Mother Nature. She's pretty. She's patient. She's without greed. But she's also without forgiveness. She doesn't hurry, yet things are always accomplished. Everything falls into its place. Celebrate and absorb the nature of your current season, the nature of yourself, the nature of your internals and your externals, and celebrate the medicine that nature has to offer you. There's time for everything if you just slow down and pay attention. Let that jigsaw fall into place, you sexy motherfucking space ape. Woo! I'm going to jump right into this interview um, because it's long and it's brilliant. Okay. Jason Scott, he he's a, he's a mycologist. He's an ethnobotanist. He's a spagyricist, which if you don't know what any of those are, we're going to get into it. Um, and he has a big background with hermetic alchemy, philosophy. He studied history. He was in, he, in the interview, we talk about how he went to Nepal and he studied Ayurveda Uh, He's done a lot of big things. He's studied with a lot of amazing people. And he has made a really interesting dent into the possibility of what kind of medicine can be created through combining alchemy with mycology and and making mushroom tinctures in in his own fashion, in his own way that really embodies the 
the holistic health approach of the entire fruit body and the mycelium and everything that comes into these fancy little friends that we like to call fungi or mushrooms. Um, it's really, really good. He has been a contributor to a lot of different publications, including Radical Mycology by Peter McCoy, which we get into. I link that in the show notes. If you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast, you can get all these links or just click below in whatever app that you're using, whether it be Spotify or iTunes or your mom's app. Uh, we know how you love hanging around your mom. I love hanging around your mom, you know? Um, but he's a teacher. And he's created this company, Feral Fungi, up in Oregon, which is where I originally came across his products. I actually found them through a friend who told me to go to a local shop. And I was I just asked her where I could find like some legit mushroom tinctures because I knew that the way that our you know our world works is that we have this mass production of quote unquote medicines or trendy things that hit the world. And it oftentimes is cut down to something that we think we're getting a benefit from. But really, if you look into the way that it's made and the ingredients, you're not actually getting that benefit that you think you're getting. There might be a magical plant or a mushroom that is on the title of this product, but the way that it's being made might not actually include any of the benefits that that plant or that mushroom or whatever, you know, of nature's gifts that is being used was intended. Um, it might not have any of the benefits because of the way that it's processed and created. And Jason does an incredible job in this interview of breaking down the difference between most of the mushroom tinctures that are out there and the approach that his company takes. And I'm telling you, when I tried these mushroom tinctures, it was like a whole nother world for me. And like, I haven't been able to use any other types of mushroom products. And that's why I talk about it so much. His website is feralfungi.com. I will link to that. Um, there's even a, a code if, for 10% off if you use the code RAGECREATE. And um, I bought Balk from him because I wanted to take these and gift them to some of the elders at a medicine ceremony that I was going to because I knew it was such good medicine. And it was not, it was not a disappointment. <laughs> I met up with him. I got to meet Jason in person. We talked for a little bit. Uh, the nicest dude. He he really is a brilliant dude. A very a very nice guy, and I'm happy that he was able to come on and share this with us. So I'm gonna jump right into this. Uh, yeah. Again, all the show notes heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. Again, as usual, these episodes are brought to you by the Sweet Ass Affirmations Deck, motivation for your maniac creative mind, which you can find on RageCreate.com or Amazon, and yeah, I'll, I'll link also to the biohacking episodes and the how to get high without drugs episodes in the show notes as well. So I'm going to hit some tunes. We're going to jump right into this. Here we go. Put those nipple clips on because it's going to get spicy. Come on, everybody. Let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody. Let me hear that stickity stickity riggity dickity beat. Yeah.
Jason, dude, this has been a, uh, it's been a long time coming and I have to credit you to a few things. One being creating the best mushroom tinctures I've ever consumed from a taste perspective and also an effectiveness perspective. And, and two, really being one of those activation points of sending me down the rabbit hole of what in the hell spagyrics are, which I'm only breaking the skin mm -hmm. on and I know very little about still, I think. Um, but obviously your work, your company fascinates me so much so that I, I found you, I, I tried some samples from a local store in Portland. Then I was able to contact you and you were nice enough to meet up with me and exchange and allow me to, you know, purchase a bit of a bulk amounts to take to a medicine ceremony that I was going to, uh, so that I could gift those to some of the, el the elders and the shamans, which went over really, really well. The, the people started actually awing when they were tasting it, first of all, because the flavor profiles <laughs> are incredible. That spagyric mm -hmm. side brings on a whole nother level. And um, a lot were asking, like, where did they come from? Um, mm -hmm. Many thought that I had made them myself. And as much as I wanted to take that glory, I could not do it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm always a person who's looking for what what I can learn from and what I can grow within and, and who's doing it the best and, and contacting and kind of connecting and seeing how that goes. Um, that like I was just saying before this call, I just blasted through almost the last of what I have. I'm giddy to reconnect with you. I'm really appreciating that you uh, are here, man. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, thank you for the really kind words, you know, about our, our extractions and, and what I'm doing over here and, and uh, uh, about our business and about the way that we work with the mushrooms. And, you know, I was really honored when, when we were able to give those to you and that you would think of giving our, our um, extracts as gifts to people that you highly respect. So, so thank you for all of that. And also, you know, I'd probably be able to find a few people who would argue you <laughs> on the taste of, of our extracts. Um, <laughs> I mean, it seems like you've, you've, um, you know, you've got a little bit of experience taking herbal medicine. And so you, you're a little bit more familiar with uh, what strong tasting herbs and mushrooms are like, and ours are definitely really strong. So sometimes that's pretty offensive <laughs> to people. Yeah. You know, well, I we, mean, we I kinda, love it. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of get the whole, um, the whole spectrum from people who are like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. And they're so good. <laughs> it's chocolatey and tastes like some fancy whiskey to, like this is the absolute worst thing I've ever put in my mouth. What do I do about it? So, so <laughs> I'm glad you're on the spectrum of enjoying it. Um, it's definitely, I think, easier to take, obviously, that way. And I personally really, really like them. But, you know, that's just a part of uh, a really strong extraction is it, is it tastes really strong. And, you know, well, people we all have, have different flavor so. profiles. Yeah, sure. exactly. I, I, Exactly. I usually lean more towards the bitter, like earthy side of things, which I'm mm -hmm. happy for, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm lucky in some manner. It's kind of helped yeah. guide my health too. Um, yeah. There is something that comes to life when you taste your tinctures. And I want to mm -hmm. get into to why that is, because I think a lot of it has to do with the spagyric process that you're, you're using. But can you start by giving a little rundown on how you stumbled into alchemy and mycology or the the combo of whatever you want to call it and, and why that was so fascinating to you why did it suck you in and eventually evolve into you creating your company feral fungi yeah absolutely um 
you know, it's, uh, it's a really big question <laughs> um, to answer, <laughs> honestly, you know, and so just trying to kind of like ultimately give the cliff notes on, on how I found myself here. It's a, it's a really interesting crossroads because, you know, I've found in, in my world anyway, that there's a lot of people who are really interested in mushrooms and there's a lot of people who are really interested in alchemy as i'm saying that i'm thinking a lot is relative um but that they're you know they're kind of like separate worlds um within these like already kind of like marginalized uh, experiences and and areas of both natural medicine but also like biology and and history and things like that and i think you know long story short um i really was when I was younger, looking for a path of how to kind of effectively uh, move through my reality in a way that would contribute to the larger picture of what's going on and, and kind of the way that I ultimately come, came to through that was uh, through natural medicine and through healing that comes with that. And so, you know, it's addressing on one level kind of like the physiological things that people deal with but on other levels the psycho-spiritual uh, and emotional and, and larger spiritual issues that people deal with <clears throat> and for me I kind of saw you know mushrooms at the beginning and then other herbs and natural medicines from from the natural world as a pathway into looking at and understanding how we can really kind of heal some of the deeper traumas and the deeper things that people deal with, which in my perspective at that time, and still to this day is, is at the root of a lot of the issues that we face collectively and culturally and also individually um, that kind of separate us from each other and separate us from the natural world, you know, and so, I began this journey of studying in the like permaculture and then that led me into studying uh, more about mushrooms. I kind of stumbled across the first radical mycology convergence back in 2010 um, led by uh, Peter McCoy and Maya Elson yeah. and uh, went to that and then went to the one the subsequent year in Port Townsend in 2011. Um, just speaking my with... Oh, my bad, man. Go ahead. I was just say, were you struggling with anything from a health perspective or like a, a emotional perspective that that kind of pushed you on that path of ex exploring the healing aspect of it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of uh, psycho spiritual emotional turmoil as a teenager um, and a lot of depression, uh, which I think is pretty common, and especially these days, you know, where people are kind of even more isolated than they normally are from each other, um, where that depression is just really prominent. And so that was a, that was a big dynamic because when I was 18, you know, I was feeling super depressed and a lot of it was things that I could see uh, and connect to kind of like cultural trends and what was going out on in like the larger um, societal kind of paradigms. And, uh, for me, it was like, those were weighing really heavily on me. I went to the doctor, the doctor was like, well, oh, take some antidepressants. And there was like this <laughs> kind of like deep knowing inside of myself at that point was like, where it was like, well, I know like antidepressants aren't going to make 
the bigger problems that I see go away. So, um, you know, that searching really came from kind of like that self-medicating response of, of how to kind of address the depression and those types of things to the best of my ability on my own, as well as, you know, how to, as I mentioned earlier too, how do I find like a meaningful path that contributes to the larger sense of pain that people are feeling. Um, And so permaculture was like one of the first steps into that because it's looking at the relationship between the space that you live in and yourself. And then part of that is like growing herbs and natural medicines and working with natural uh, things within your environment and that are close to you. And the mushrooms had kind of like been in my awareness already at that point. And so when I went to the radical mycology convergence, it really just kind of like deepened my understanding and my relationship and my interest in getting to know fungi from everything from like a biological level to an ethno mycological level. So like a cultural relationship with mushrooms to um, their benefits as mush as medicines to cultivation. So kind of like the whole gambit, you know, and then from that point, I really dove more into a study and, and exploration of ethnobotany and looking at the cultural relationships to plants. And from that really kind of narrowed in on herbalism and natural medicine. Um, so herbalism from a Western perspective, looking at the traditional uses of herbs and their applications and working more from like an eclectic model, energetic models um, with a little bit of influence from like Chinese medicine and uh, Ayurveda and things where you're looking at more of the whole picture of what's going on. And sort of towards the beginning of that journey, one of my good buddies at the time handed me this book um, on alchemy called Real Alchemy by uh, one of my good friends and teachers, Robert Allen Bartlett. And I kind of started to dive into that book. And for me, it was really interesting, but also it's like reading is not really the way that I completely digest things. And, and um, I ended up stumbling across a class that somebody was teaching on like the herbal foundations of alchemy and kind of like the principles and the philosophies. And so I checked that out and it was really resonating what he was saying about them. And then after the class, he was like, oh, yeah, I just came down from studying with Robert Bartlett, who had written that book. And I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. And so <laughs> I reached out to them and then went up there and started studying with Robert probably around 2012, maybe a little bit before Universal 2011. Signs. You know, yeah, like totally. From the universe, you notice them. Yeah, well, I call you know, it's like synchronicities. I always like yeah. to say is like, there's no such thing as coincidence because like right. everything in my path has kind of fallen together, like kind of like cohesively manifested itself in the term t- uh, context of synchronicities that presented themselves. And so, <clears throat> you know, that really kind of amplified the next step of my journey, which was diving more deeply into the natural medicine and then specifically through the the lens of traditional hermetic alchemy where there was a, you know, at that time it was like 
I was learning about herbs. I was learning about natural medicine and then kind of the way I feel like a lot of people get into it just because it's like really Western way of looking at it is like, oh, well, what's that herb good for? You know, and I feel like it's kind of a limited question because it's like, well, who is that herb? What is that herb? Like what's underlying all these, these things, you know, that we kind of look at at a very like surface level and from like a myopic scientific perspective and when I first dove into that world of alchemy, it was like, here's the cosmology of the universe. And here's the story about how things are created and why we look at everything as a living entity. And, and it really resonated with kind of the path I was on. Like, as you were saying, is like that synchronicity really kind of spoke more deeply to my heart on, on why I was on that journey of learning the natural medicines and learning the mushrooms and things like that. And so within the study, uh, you know, the traditional hermetic sciences and that path, you know, I was really curious where mushrooms fit into it because um, there's really well-defined and outlined methods for understanding plants and minerals and animals and mushrooms are pretty much all but omitted from that, um, that uh, traditional practice. And yeah, why is that, man? It's so crazy. <laughs> Cause they get inside you. Like I can see like you get a little bit inside you or you're hanging out with them in the forest or whatever. And yeah. it does become kind of like a part of your supporting cast and synchronicity and guiding you through life. I mean, we are fungal bodies. Yeah. So it's just yeah. magic to me. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was always curious to me because, you know, it's like they talk about like the three kingdoms, you know, it's like where there's like the plants, the minerals, uh, and the metals and like the animals and those are like the three primary kingdoms or like realms through the alchemical <laughs> perspective and it's like to me the mushrooms fit in there between the the animals and the plants because they're not really plants in the traditional way that we think about plants and on like the phylogenic tree of life they're actually much more closely related to animals but they're also much more different than animals too and they've been around for a lot longer in a lot of different contexts. So, you know, I don't know the answer to that as, as to why they were omitted. You know, I think there's a lot of traditional, um, you know, what, what you would call like fungal phobia where people just have this inherent fear of fungi. And a lot of time it's because they're associated with uh, death, you know, and I think Reason that's probably death, the, yeah, the yeah exactly. Life. Exactly. And there's kind of like a, you know, fear around that transmutation to a certain degree. So I think that, that there's a piece to that puzzle in there. Um, but as to the exact answer, I, I don't really know that I have one, but it made me really curious and ultimately kind of like set me on my journey of, you know, well, I have a background and an experience studying um, natural medicine through the Western perspective, which is mostly like Western herbalism. And it's mostly focused on herbs that aren't mushrooms, um, you know, perspective through Ayurveda and spending some time in Nepal where I actually like studied Ayurveda under a oh, cool. traditional Vaija um, who's been practicing, his family's been practicing for over 800 years in the Kathmandu Valley. And working with herbs, the mushrooms have always kind of like guided me in a certain sense and have always been at the forefront of my um my own personal journey and my own kind of personal experience. And so that really led me to 
you know, coming to a point of actually ending up working with Peter uh, McCoy of Radical Mycology and, and contributing an article to his book, Radical Mycology, uh, a treatise on scene and working with fungi and kind of outlining the beginning philosophies and thesis to what I've termed alchem mycology, which is basically like looking at mushrooms and mycology through the lens of traditional hermetic alchemy, um, which is kind of like where the spagyrics and where that practice comes into um, play. And then the process that we developed through for feral fungi, which is, is my uh, business where we sell mushroom spagyric tinctures. As Did that just stem out of, of after you started working with Peter? Did you eventually get to a point where you started making those, you know, on the side and then decided that people were loving them and then you opened that company or was it like a progression? Yeah, I'm kind of somewhere in between. So it was really, um, I had, I had already been doing some like personal experiments with it um, before I connected with Peter. And then when I connected with Peter, I really like talked to him more about it. And he was like, this is awesome. I want this to be in the book. Right. Because um, he was kind of like pushing a lot of boundaries with, with writing that book and wanted it to be like a practical guide, but then also wanted it to be something that was, it is, it really is. And there's a lot of things explored in there. Um, So I always, you know, I always tell people it's a really great like reference book as well as a great read when you have, if you have the time to really dig into it. But I did a lot of um, research as I was writing that article, you know, over the two years of, you know, connecting with Peter and then, the article and the book being um, published. And, and so I had kind of had this practice and then it, it expanded even more after that. So I, you know, probably started writing that around 2014, um, which I had been studying in the alchemical works for a couple of years before then. And then after 2016, you know, was still working on refining those works and doing, you know, kind of putting a lot of what I put into the book is, proposals for different different ways and different menstruums and things like that that we can use to effectively kind of tease the salt sulfur mercury which are tenants of that spagyric extract out of the mushrooms and then put them together and so working um on that and kind of developing in my mind through these experiments and trials and errors and working with fruiting bodies and working with mycelium on grain and working with different menstruums and working with different extraction equipment kind of landed on this way that I found to be really effective for extracting the mushrooms. And then I actually um, went to Nepal and studying Ayurveda and I was kind of doing like, you know, gig work before then a lot of like, um, kind of like random jobs here and there. I worked with my good buddy, uh, Seja Popham at Organic Unity for a while in their lab down in Southern Oregon, uh, making spagyrics, uh, doing a lot of like landscaping and yard work and stuff like that. And, and then I went to Nepal, um, kind of deepening in my studies of Ayurveda. And then when I came back, I had this teaching gig at a, at a conference called the Virtus Genii Conference, um, which is held up in Washington now at that point it was out in uh, Damascus Oregon and I had had a free booth before the year before that 
um, along with that opportunity to teach and the compensation part of the compensation was having a booth to sell your wares you know and so yeah I got back from Nepal and then was like oh well I've got this opportunity and the year before I had had these like handwritten labels and I only had like two different tinctures that I had prepared because it was kind of like a last minute thing and uh, I was like I'm gonna make it like really nice this year you know and so I uh got home and I applied the things that I've been putting into practice and put them all together into the extracts and, you know, did it in this outline of the planetary set. So one, you know, started with seven tinctures, one mushroom for each of the planetary influences um, up to Saturn. And then offered those. What's that? (laughs) I love space. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And then, and then offered that at the, conference you know as as um my offering and i was also doing a class on the doctrine of signatures and correspondences which we can talk about in a little bit here too um in relationship to mushrooms and so i had like tinctures for each one to for people to try and then i had the booth selling there and i didn't really think that it was going to go anywhere and i knew from working with um working with other people, how challenging it can be to get into the natural supplement industry. And, and for me, it was like really about the medicine, not really about being another supplement and not being, you know, being trendy. And it was kind of like before mushrooms got really popular and got really trendy. Um, And so I sold stuff there and it went way better than I expected and just kind of continued to uh, sell stuff through the summer. And that's how I accidentally created (laughs) feral fungi, which is uh, growing pretty rapidly. Dude, it's so cool to hear that. I love hearing things unfold and, and a lot of the points that you were hitting on, especially like when you were talking about people being afraid of mushrooms and because of this like fear of death thing, it's really interesting because I mean, fungi as you said i said fungi i probably have been mispronouncing it um for two years but fungus fungi fungi proper way fungi i guess is that correct uh uh and multiple i think uh i was listening to somebody the other day who was like i wasn't sure so i looked up and it's you can say all of fungi <laughs> you can say fungi you can say fungi you can say fungi, fungi yeah it's like tennis mckenna <laughs> so terrence fungi yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it has such a wonderful purpose, right? It is the great decayer of our world, but also there is this like fear of what is it going to do when you bring it in your body to help you decay away all of that stagnant energy that's been stored up and release it for ultimate healing, which is what you were talking about. I mean, mm-hmm. mushrooms initiate everything into a rebirth cycle, which fits perfectly with your branding and the planetary sets and kind of this holistic approach that you've gone through. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about some weird things, you know, of mushrooms, but I, I want to get into something really simple first that um, really is just an educational piece for, for anyone listening. Uh, a lot of people hear the terms mycelium, fruit bodies, what's the difference and what's significant about them when you put them together in your medicine, essentially? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, among the mushroom nerds and within the mushroom world, especially as that relates to medicine and supplements, you know, people are always asking that question, like, which is better mycelium or fruit body. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big question. And ultimately when you look at the research, what you find is that, that both are good. So, yeah. So 
just for people who aren't really clear, you know, uh, from the biological life of the mushroom, you know, the spores come together as mating pairs and then they produce um, hyphae. And the, these hyphae are like these beginning of the strands. And then when they come together and grow, then they become mycelium. And so um, that mycelium then knots up into what we know as fruiting bodies to put it in really simple terms. So, so you can think of like the mycelium is mostly the subterranean or, um, you know, intracellular uh, matter of the mushrooms, whether you're looking at like a soil complex or you're looking like in a tree in the natural environment, the mycelium is kind of akin to like the root network of like a plant and is mostly subterranean. It's not something we really see. It's also only one cell wall thick, so it's relatively thin and um, just hard to access in the natural environment. Like, um, so what most people are familiar with as mushrooms, you know, are, are generally uh, coming from the basidiomycota and they are the fruiting body or like the fruit the sexual reproductive organ of that particular fungi. So think of it as like that mushroom that's growing in your yard, like that's the reproductive organ of, of the mycelial network that's growing under the ground, which is the bulk of that fungi um, uh, traditionally, or like probably most of what people are familiar with is, you know, what we call mushrooms are actually like the, the sexual organ of the fungi. So there's like the, the um, cellular reproductive system of, of the mushroom. So basically the way that I think about it and kind of come to it is, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning is like, there's, there's benefits to both the mycelium and the, the fruiting body. However, traditionally what was used was the fruiting body. I always kind of think of it in the context of like, you're walking through the forest, you find like a big reishi mushroom, they're gonna take that reishi mushroom and they're gonna grind it up and use it as a tea or make it into an extract. And then that is going to be what is used um, as a medicine or you know what you're gonna eat when in the case of like shiitake mushrooms or like chanterelles or like lion's mane, things like that. And nobody's really like traditionally digging through the soil <laughs> and pulling out little threads of mycelium and collecting like, you know, take hours to collect like a handful of mycelium and then giving it to people as medicine. So the trend of mycelium as medicine is a fairly recent one and has been really popularized by people who have, you know, hold pretty heavy weight within the world of mycology. And as I mentioned, it's like there's some enticing evidence to say that mycelium has some benefits, but when you look really closely at the papers and at the literature that are talking about that, they're talking about like pure mycelial extracts. So usually what happens is they do what they call a submerged fermentation um, in the mushroom world, it's more often referred to as like a liquid culture where you basically grow the mycelium in this like liquid broth. Mm -hmm. And then they strain that out 
and then they extract it with some really strong solvent usually in that case like ether it just kind of depends on what the paper you're looking at is and then they use that constant you know they concentrate all the ether off of there and then they use that concentrated extract in the studies that they're performing so so I think it's kind of a misnomer because what, what we don't really understand is, is what the benefit of mycelium growing on grain is, um, especially in contrast to fruiting bodies. So, you know, as you mentioned before, it's like the, the really strong taste and the flavor and everything that you're getting in our tinctures is coming from the fruiting body where you're going to get this higher concentration of especially like volatile compounds that you just don't really get from the mycelium. Um, yeah, so you create, now, go, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say you create essentially, so people know you, you create what would be sort of like a triple extract tincture, which spagyric is the word that comes to, to embody what that triple extract would be. And I've talked a little bit on the show about you, cause I'm a f- little bit of a fangirl. <laughs> and I mean, <clears throat> we talked about the planetary uh, mm-hmm. sets and like the, you know i love space jizz on everything but can you help mm-hmm. i guess when, as you start talking about that that taste can you help simplify yeah. to the listeners the difference between what like a traditional single or double extract tincture which they're more more likely to find if they're looking for tinctures on the market sure um sure the difference between those and then the type of tincture that you're making with the spagyrics as you ca- yeah. kind of climb the ladder yeah absolutely yeah so um kind of you know, just in finishing on that thought, kind of the the most common form of mushroom extract that you're going to find on pretty much every shelf in every store, especially if it's a, you know, locally grown um, mushroom is, or, and by local, I mean, Pacific, you know, North, North American uh, grown mushrooms are going to be mycelium grown on grain. So that's kind of what I was getting at is like, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was getting at is like a lot of the research is on pure mycelial extracts, not on mycelium grown on grain, which is the majority of the tinctures that you're going to get on the shelf. It's the majority of the capsules that you're going to get. It's the majority of the powder that you're going to get. And usually the really easy way to tell if it's mycelium grown on grain is you can compare a couple different types of mushrooms and the taste between them is not going to vary very much at all. The other way is like there's generally a little bit of sweetness and that's because you're still going to get some starches from the grains themselves in that extract, um, which don't behave the same way as the polysaccharides that are coming from the mushroom. And they also have that sweetness. They just don't behave the same way as the polysaccharides that you're getting, as I mentioned, the beta-glucans from the mushrooms which is kind of, in my perspective, controversial because a lot of people, especially, you know, in the supplement industry in general, and then in the mushroom industry, mushroom supplement industry in specific, people are just not very transparent about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And so you can find something that says, ah, we have this many polysaccharides, but then they don't differentiate what of that is alpha-glucan polysaccharides, which are coming from the starches, like the rice, and what are beta-glucan polysaccharides. And at this point, there's not really many testing facilities that are able to differentiate. They can tell you the total number of polysaccharides, but they're not going to tell you which ones are coming specifically from the mycelium or the mushroom and what ones are coming from the grain. 
So that's one reason, you know, we work with um, fruiting bodies for our extracts. Um, at some point, we might expand into doing some mycelial extracts as well. However, you know, just kind of going back to what I was saying, I'd really like to incorporate it in the way that they talk about it in the papers where we're working with pure mycelial extracts, not adulterated by um, grain. So that's yeah, going to be kind sense. of the <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of kind of be the first thing that most people are familiar with um, on the market is going to be mycelium grown on grain. And I kind of have, you know, my reservations with that. Um, so polysaccharides, just for the listeners, mm -hmm. those, why are those beneficial? And why is that important as far as the difference between the types coming from grain and the types that come from the fruiting bodies? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, so generally the ones that become from, yeah, so the ones that come from the mycelium are generally going to be pretty similar to the ones that come from the fruiting bodies. The ones that are going to be different are the ones coming from the grains. So yeah, mushrooms contain what are known as beta-glucan polysaccharides. And polysaccharide just means like long chain sugar. And the way that I really look at it is it's like a building block to our innate immune system. And, and polysaccharides have been studied for their like long list and host of benefits that they offer um, primarily relegated again to the immune system, but also dealing with a whole host of other um, pieces and, and benefits um, such as like their effect in the histamine response and their effect on inflammation and their effect on healthy blood sugar levels um, as a, um, and as like a prebiotic so there's a long list uh, as to what they're doing, but through the research that they found is those beta-glucan polysaccharides, which basically just means they're like a more complex um, molecular structure than the alpha-glucan polysaccharides, which are coming from the, the grains. So yeah. the alpha-glucans are things you're gonna find in like brown rice. And so they just behave um, very differently. And those alpha glucans aren't going to be quite as uh, efficacious in a lot of those applications as the beta glucans. Interesting. So polysaccharides that, are part of the extraction process. I mean, that's kind of one of the benefits that you're pulling out when you're doing the extraction. Yeah, totally. So they're actually a part of the cell wall of the, um, of the mushroom. So the cell wall of the mushroom is made of chitin, which is basically um, housing these long chain polysaccharides. And so part of what we're doing through the extraction process is breaking down that cell wall so that we can access um, those polysaccharides because our body doesn't produce chitinase. Um, chitinase would be like an enzyme that breaks down chitin. Uh, and that's what's kind of protecting and that's the cell wall of the mushroom. So like, if you were to just go, you know, like oftentimes like people go to the salad bar and they just like eat those raw mushrooms, you're not really cleaning any nutri uh, nutrient benefit from them because your body can't really break it down. Yeah. So part of what we're doing in the extraction process is breaking these things down so that they're more accessible, more bioavailable, you know, because I think there's also a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding when it comes to that as well, because you know, a lot of people go to the store too. So another thing that is often um, offered is like mushrooms, you know, incorporated in like tea bags or like, or like ground mushroom powder. 
that hasn't been extracted in any way. Right. And people don't really like understand. So one, like in a tea bag, and this is the case for most herbs, you're not really getting a, like a therapeutic amount of that herb. It's mostly, um, you know, it's mostly going to kind of like be a feel good thing to be like, oh, I'm drinking this reishi tea. Um, and then secondarily, you, you'd also have to boil that reishi for at least two hours or do a really long decoction at a little bit of lower temperature to be able to actually access those polysaccharides. So, so if you just go to the store and you buy a mushroom powder that has not been extracted, then there's very little benefit you're going to be able to get from it unless you're <laughs> actually boiling it for two hours, which I don't think most people do or understand. Dude, when I, when I you know, found you, you that could... out after spending like a year and a half taking all these different mushroom supplements <laughs> and being like, and I don't really feel like it's changing because I'm always testing things. Like how does it mm -hmm. affect my mind? How does it affect my energy? And then mm -hmm. when you finally get something that's an actual extract from a real yeah. source and how different it is. It's mind blowing. Yeah. It yeah, is crazy. Yeah. It's like mostly everything out there still, it seems to be just yeah. like it's not extracted. Right. So, which, you know, leads to the next point, which like at the very minimum, when you're extracting mushrooms, what you need to do is a hot water extraction. And so um, that's a lot of times what you'll find from a lot of the companies on the market that are doing fruit body extractions. However, most of the time, I don't think it's actually them doing the fruit body extractions. They usually are um, there's very few companies that are doing that and on a much smaller scale. Um, most, most people are just buying and reselling mushroom extract powders that are coming from China. Oh, um, so there's a hot water process where you essentially boil the mushrooms um, for a couple hours and do a hot water extraction. And then you dry that all out and then grind it into a powder and then that's an that's like the most basic form of mushroom extract, and that's going to be um, effective, and it will be alcohol free. However, one thing that you're doing there is you're driving a lot of the volatile compounds off, and when you're doing that in a more concentrated form, so you may have seen as like the way that I just described it would be what they call like a one to one extract when you get into like a 10 to one extract, which is going to be more concentrated, basically what they do is that same process with the water and a much larger amount of mushrooms. And then they boil a bunch of the water off and then they dry that. So essentially in what you're left with at the end, there's none of the initial fiber that's left in the mushrooms with the first process I was describing, there'd be fiber from the mushrooms. So you're getting kind of like the same weight that you started with. The second one, you're getting um, less weight than you started with, but you're getting a more concentrated extract because you're kind of like removing uh, the, the fibers from the mushrooms, essentially. Is that making sense? Yeah, definitely. I'm learning so much. <clears throat> and so, so with those ones, a lot of times what they'll do is just a hot water um, extract. And you're not really getting a full spectrum extract in that sense because there's a lot of volatile compounds that are essentially being driven off um, at the temperature that the water is boiling and evaporating. You know, I always kind of say it's like when you're doing essential oils or like making a tea or like making a mushroom tea is like 
you know, that smell that comes off that's like often really pleasant, like that's volatiles being driven off of the material. So another way that people do extractions is doing a, what's known as a dual extraction. So they take um, the mushroom and then we'll do, oftentimes do an alcohol extraction, a cold alcohol extraction, let it sit for a month or two, um, and then strain off the alcohol and then take those mushrooms and then boil them for a couple hours or, um, or do a longer decoction in uh, like a crock pot or something like that. And then they'll combine those two portions together. So you have your aqueous extract from the water and then you have the, the alcohol extract and then you combine those two parts together. Now, uh, another thing within that too is like that's, that's one of the ways that they extract, pharmaceutically extract um, polysaccharides. So one of the things early on learning how to do mushroom extracts was um, if you add the alcohol extract to the water extract, the content of the alcohol is going to be higher or the, the content of the, um, let's see, the content of the water is going to be higher and it's going to precipitate a lot more of the polysaccharides out of the alcohol. Uh, I think I may have said that backwards. So if you're, if you're putting the, yeah, I did say that backwards. So if you're putting the water extract into the alcohol extract, a much larger amount of the polysaccharides that are in the water extract are going to precipitate out because they use um, alcohol as a precipitation agent. So what you want to do when you're doing mushroom extract is that you, you want to put the alcohol extract into the water extract where it has a higher concentration of water than alcohol. And, and the polysaccharides, some are still gonna precipitate out, but it'll be much less. Um, so that's another thing Interesting. in our process that's a little bit different is we filter the water extract when we do it, and then we filter the alcohol extract when we do it. But once we mix them together, we don't do any subsequent filtering, which another is another thing that a lot of companies will do is that last filtering process because they wanna make their tincture look really clean and um, clear and things like that. and for me, it's like that grit and that stuff that happens that precipitate that falls out of solution is stuff that you're really ultimately after when you're doing that extraction. So you don't want to like, you don't want to just give that away, you know, or, or throw it away. And then that's, I think, a lot of the reason why you find less efficacy in, in certain products is because they're just kind of like throwing a lot of that stuff out. Um, oh. So crazy. <laughs> so, so that would be kind of like the standard dual extraction process. And most people leave it at that. So there's another process that I've seen people calling a triple extraction, which I don't really think makes a lot of sense, but this is what I understand it to be is that um, people will do like a cold water extraction before they, um, before they do the alcohol extraction. And this cold water extraction is to attain, you know, some of the enzymes and the yeast that are like naturally on the mushrooms, you know, when they come from their natural environment. Mm -hmm. However, the only thing that doesn't really make sense about that process is, is um, once you put that 
cold water back with the alcohol, the alcohol would just kill any of those things that might have <laughs> you know, been preserved with that process. So I think, again, it's kind of another one of those things where people just do something because it sounds good and don't really completely understand the science or the reason behind why they're actually doing that. So, wow. Wow. so the last, the last part and kind of like what essentially sets apart what we're doing is, is actually a few things. Everything from the start of our process is quite a bit different. So like you said, we essentially have a three-part extraction process as well. Um, I've also called it like dual extracted spagyric tinctures. So basically we use an apparatus called a Soxlet extractor, which um, since I've been talking about a lot over the last number of years and teaching about, I've seen it popping up more and more. Um, I also, you know, one of the reasons that kind of led me into, well, let me like back up a little bit first. The, the, way that I came across using the Soxlet extractor was ultimately an accident and um, in trying to yield an essential oil from the mushroom. You know, we can talk a lot about that in a little bit here, more about what the full spagyric extraction process looks like, but getting the essential oil or what they call the sulfur is a part of that. And I did a steam distillation of the, the, the mushrooms, in that case it was red belted polypore, the red belted conch, Fomatopsis uh, pinnacola, and I did a distillation on there and I didn't yield any essential oil, but the, what would be considered like the hydrosol had this like really pungent odor to it. And I was like, oh man, this is like, this is everything that's being driven off when you make a tea. Like this is everything that you're losing when you uh, when you make a tea, and so from that point on, I sort of elected to to experiment and do most of my mushroom extractions through what's an apparatus called a Soxlet extractor. So this lets us do things a little bit differently in a few different ways. Um, you know, the first being in this apparatus we're basically boiling the menstruum. Um, so we do an alcohol extraction. It heats the alcohol up, it, it vaporizes up to the top. And then we have a cold condenser on the top of the apparatus and then the, the alcohol drips back down on the material. It fills up this chamber known as the Soxlet extractor. And then once it fills past a certain point on this sidearm, it creates a gravity suction and it um, brings everything back down into the boiling flask. And then it just repeats that process over and over again. And so like the first number of times it does that, the extraction is really dark and then it gets lighter and lighter each time that it goes. And so part of how we're able to tell when we're ready to switch from alcohol to water or when an extraction is done is when the, the menstruum in the sidearm is essentially clear. And so at that point, you know, we're pretty certain that we've gotten an effective extraction and then we switch that that apparatus over to um, distilled water and we do that same exact thing <clears throat> so we we work with distilled water in that sense because we're um, kind of purist about it and most people use like you know like spring water or something like that that because it's really rich in minerals you know and and that's um, true but what we're doing with the spagyric process is we're doing this dual extraction. We 
as I mentioned before, we get the alcohol extraction, we get the water extraction. What sets our process apart a little bit is, is that we're doing it through a Soxlet extractor. <clears throat> and then we put those two portions together. Now at this point, most people would just call their tincture done, you know, and that's, that's it. Um, what really separates ours as being a spagyric tincture over, uh, over just like a standard tincture is the fact that we take the mushrooms we've extracted from and then we burn them into a really fine ash and get the ash nice and white. And then we leach the pure mineral salts from those ashes, again, with distilled water. Um, that distilled water kind of sucks up all of the water-soluble mineral salts. And then we recrystallize those mineral salts. And then we um, have these pure crystalline mineral salts that are coming directly from the mushrooms that we're extracting. And then we put those back into the tincture that we've created, making it um, effectively a three-part extraction. So we do the alcohol, the water, and then the, um, the mineral salts. And then that, include, um, that inclusion of the mineral salts also is what um, ev evolves or elevates the mushroom extract from just a standard dual extract tincture to what I call a spagyric tincture. And it elevates the taste and the profile. <laughs> it's like yeah. So yeah. So um, so I think you know a lot of that is coming from our process of of using the soxlet extractors. It just helps us get a, a lot more of an uh, effective extract from the mushrooms. You can and taste then another the salts though. Yeah, and then another part is is that the salts they do something. And it was something I noticed really early on in in my study and in the beginning of the alchemical um works because you know my my teacher the way that he he talks about it and teaches it you know he runs you through the whole process of how to make a proper spagyric and then encourages that you start with a you know planetary set of seven spagyric tinctures um, which plants are oftentimes a lot easier because you can just do a ratio of alcohol to water and do the extraction all at once as opposed to having to do um, the dual extraction process and the reason that you're doing that with the mushrooms again is alcohol is pulling all the volatile compounds a lot of times like the terpenes the sterols the phenols and then the water is pulling um, the fixed compounds which are primarily going to be the polysaccharides and if you use something that's in between or use something that's already at the final concentration of alcohol you're not going to really effectively pull um, either of those things out of there and so uh, the first, one of the first things that I noticed when doing those um, spagyric tinctures based on the experience that I'd had just making regular tinctures, the first time I ever put salt in a tincture, I was like, I was like, oh, this like totally takes the bite of the alcohol out of it a little bit and like brings forward that flavor of the herb um, that's, that's in there. And it's a, it's a definitely a really interesting phenomenon. It does. It's like the, it's like you're bringing the whole all of the parts of the mushroom back together for a party in your mouth <laughs> that's you know? a great way to put it yeah because <laughs> when i taste the the chaga or the the polypore the red belted polypore or the lion's mane or the cordyceps like they all have a different flavor and yeah the more you get like i can you know i could do it blind at this point and tell you which one i'm tasting because i've, I've grown yeah. to know like that whole that what that party tastes like right 
Well, and that's, and that's primarily why we work with the, the fruiting bodies, especially, you know, from an energetic perspective of Western medicine. Um, the taste has a huge part to do with, with how effective something is, you know? So it's like, you could tell me all day long. It's like, oh, well, this is essentially effective because I did all the research and it says this, this, and this. But if you're, if it doesn't taste like anything, you know, it's not in my mind and in my practice, it's like, it's not going to be quite as effective as like something that's really bitter is going to be really effective at um, helping to support digestion, right? Because that bitter action, that bitter flavor is going to kind of help to stimulate those digestive fluids and kind of like the way that I look at it is that like it helps to trigger your body's own intelligence on how to heal itself. So there's like the, there's like the molecular compounds that are coming from the mushrooms that are directly affecting your system and helping you. But then there's also, you know, your body's own innate intelligence on how it's, how it's helping itself as well. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I, I bet there's something in there also when you're putting the salts back into it, that, that, benefits like cell absorption rates and um yeah i mean it's kind of the same principle as if you go and jump and do a polar bear swim in some ice cold water the way your body responds to it because it's yeah such a drastic non-comfortable thing is a very beneficial way and i could see that mm -hmm. with taste yeah like bitters um i've always had digestive issues and it's no wonder that my body craves bitter things because it knows that that's yeah. going to help with digestion yeah, yeah totally yeah. And, you know, it's like essentially with those mineral salts, what you're getting is a complex of trace minerals. So, um, you know, we, we know that trace minerals are effective and that our body needs those trace minerals to, to effectively operate. And when you get them innately in the mushroom, there's also something about how they help, you know, in both in mushrooms and in plants, when you prepare them spagyrically, you're increasing the efficacy of, of that that medicine because it's like it, the way that I look at it is it's like the vehicle through which the, the other compounds from the mushroom are moving. Right. So yeah. it's like, it's like that physical body of the mushroom. So just to kind of like, again, break it down in another sense, it's like, you've got the salt, sulfur and mercury from the mushroom, which is the, the salt is like the physical body. It's like that vehicle the sulfur is like the essential oil or the soul and the mercury is like the spirit or that like volatile principle. And the way that I look at it, you know, spagyric or just regular tinctures rather from that, from that perspective are like an disembodied soul and spirit is like, they don't have anything to ground them. And a lot of times ah, like when we're taking yeah. medicine for ourselves or supplements or whatever, you know, it's like, we have a physical body. So when you put that body back, you know, in with the, the rest of the extract, it kind of helps drive it where it needs to go in the body. That makes so much sense. That's a good way of putting it, man. I like that. I, um, we talked just to round this out a little bit. I, we've, everything's already blown my mind and I really appreciate you sharing all this. Um, you talked a little bit about how I, I often talk about brain performance, creativity, optimal health, mm -hmm. nerve functioning. We were getting into digestion a little bit there because I spent so many years very miserable and in pain and with a head full of clouds and not understanding why none of the Western doctors could figure out anything that was wrong with me. But knowing that my body was responding in a way that there was something definitely wrong, it was calling for me to search for better 
options. Um, and there's something that happens when I take your tinctures. It's, it's almost like this uh, feeling that they are coming home, you know, and like, it's, mm. it's helping me become more of myself. It's, it's helping me mm. get rid of this idea that I might've been disembodied myself. And um, I've done a fair amount of foraging myself. I made some of my own, you know, ghetto double extract tinctures and my sister's got this beautiful tree in the backyard that constantly puts out these massive lion main fruit bodies. Um, I had a big score of lots of reishi recently and some turkey tail, the Mm -hmm. red belted polypore tincture that you gave me a sample of when I met you was Mm -hmm. perhaps the best tasting thing ever. And it's so (laughs) salty and like in the chaga one, I love too, but they, they all have different benefits, right? Um, I know that we can send, I can send everyone to, to the site and I'm going to post your, uh, sort of infographic that you have, that shows the different breakdowns of health benefits for each. But, mm-hmm. um, is there a simple way to, to kind of talk about the benefits of the different types of mushrooms that are common in your tinctures? Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, there's a couple other things that I want to address in there as well. Um, the, the first being, you know, just in general, before we get into like the specifics about each of the mushrooms is there's, there's really something that I think is lost often, especially in like Western medicine and the Western culture and just how people approach things in the sense that um, people don't really acknowledge the life of the thing that they're working with, you know, and I think um, one thing that I like to consider with these these extracts is that they're living medicines, um, primarily because they have everything that that was there initially when they were taken apart. But also, like I mentioned earlier, is just like from that alchemical perspective and from you know pretty much any traditional cultural perspective on the natural world is like everything has that life and has that life force. And it just really isn't acknowledged or recognized a lot of times, especially within the supplement industry, especially within natural medicine. I feel like it's become such a trendy thing that people just kind of like omit that part of it, you know, and they kind of like, are like, all right, well, what's this, you know, what's like my optimal performance and how do I like put together all these things? And then they kind of miss the point because they're not really connected to or related to the medicines or the mushrooms that they're taking in this instance, you know, and it's, it's really just like, it just becomes another like dead tenant of, (laughs) of their um, disconnection from the natural world, you know, where it's like, you know, who's, who's like really putting all of that thought and intention in these like giant factories in China is like kind of one of my main issues with the, the whole scenario that we find ourselves in with natural medicine and especially when it comes to mushrooms it's like that spirit of the mushroom kind of gets overlooked you know and so that's just one thing I wanted to mention before talking about like the specifics about these mushrooms too is like we're trying to recognize the whole mushroom and we're trying to acknowledge the whole mushroom through every part of our process and I feel like that really kind of comes through um, in the final extract as well, because there's something different that's happening that I, I, I think, you know, the, the supplement industry has just kind of lost sight of, which is, you know, what, what is the importance of that, that life, um, that's really like offering itself as, as a 
sacrifice to to our own health in, in certain regards. So, so true um, with, with food too. I mean, every, yeah. everything like back down to like introducing the practice of conscious eating in my life has changed so much. Yeah. When you think about like you take a bite, every single thing that went into this from an energy perspective, from a natural perspective, from growth, like the spirit of what you're eating, like the transportation to get it to your mouth, all of it should be considered. And, and we definitely, yeah, yeah I mean, we've forgotten all of it and it, and it makes things yeah. very um, mundane. Yeah. I mean, everything from like, how are you approaching that mushroom? How are you thinking about it? How are you harvesting it? How are you pro you know, processing it? And so that's why we, we, you know, personally from, from my approach is like, we're, we work really hard to, you know, source the mushrooms from people we know. All of our mushrooms are coming from North America at this point. Most of them are coming from the Pacific Northwest and we try to work really closely with people who have some sense of integrity around the mushrooms, especially people who are going out and wild harvesting, because for us, that piece is really important. And I think leads to the overall efficacy of that. You know, also there's kind of like an ethical dynamic that comes up as well as, you know, like we have really strict labor laws here and you're never going to find mushrooms especially mush mushroom fruit bodies in the u.s that are going to be as cheap as you can get them in um, china and and there's i think multiple reasons for that I, I won't really speculate here as to what those reasons are <laughs> but i think that we can like you know if we know the people here who are producing those mushrooms and know that that money is going into a local economy and supporting somebody's livelihood and then that person has a direct connection with the mushrooms that they're either cultivating or harvesting, that that's going to have a huge effect on the medicine as well. And so that's, you know, that, that I just want to kind of like put that out there before getting into the specifics, because it can get really heady into the scientific of like, Oh, well, there's this compound and there's that compound and this is how they work. And I'll talk about that too, but I just wanted to really address that part of it too, because I feel like it often gets left out. And I also yeah. feel like, you know, we get a lot of people who come to us and, and share their experience in a similar way that you just have where they're like, your tinctures are really effective and they're helping me in all these different ways. And, and, you know, we, we try to just be like, you know, humbly in service to the mushrooms ultimately and try to respect them in that way. And I think that they respond to that, which is ultimately a, a part of it too, be, beyond, you know, beyond how I could, break down every other part of it and be like, oh, well, this is our extraction process and this is what we're doing. And these are the compounds that you're theoretically pulling in these processes and, you know, the scientific level of where we're kind of trying to get with our um, testing and stuff like that. There's also that dynamic. So I just wanted to touch on that first. Dude, it's really like, I always come back down to when I'm thinking about living, like truly living. Is there anything really more important than like sitting in the dirt and digging your fingers and toes in and like staring at a fire and looking at everybody sitting around just saying like, Hey, I love you. And I appreciate you. And look at all this mm. wonderful magic around us. Cause I don't like sure. when I'm like beasting out work and things and like getting into the, yeah, the science, science of stuff. I, I often forget how it all starts with just that, that seed. And it's, it's really important. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, with that said, uh, more than happy to just talk about some of the benefits of, of the mushrooms too, you know, um, usually I approach, um, 
I approach this topic from kind of like a twofold uh, nature, right? So there's there's kind of like what the mushrooms have in general, which is primarily going to be the polysaccharides that all the mushrooms have and kind of like what the effects those polysaccharides are and then what some of the other kind of common um, compound groups are that you'll find within mushrooms. And so there's a lot of benefits that each of those offer. And then each, each mushroom has like their individual um, constituency too, you know, that some of it we know and a lot of it we don't know. Um, so I kind of like break it down into those two categories, right? So we start with the polysaccharides, which I already kind of like touched on, but those polysaccharides are the long chain sugars. They're bound up in the cell wall of the mushroom. Once you break the, down those cell walls and access those polysaccharides, you have a whole host of benefits that have been researched on um, how those polysaccharides are beneficial from, I look at them as like the building blocks to the immune system, which is one of the reasons that um, mushrooms are so effective in, uh, I like the term that uh, I was on a podcast with my buddy, um, Logan Christopher of uh, Lost Empire Herbs and, and um, uh, Health Sovereign is his podcast, I think. And we were talking about intel like the intelligence of mushrooms and we're using that term um, immune intelligence. So, you know, a lot of herbs are like immune stimulants or immune depressants and mushrooms have this really unique characteristic where they're actually uh, immunomodulating. So they kind of give your immune system what it needs, you know, whether your immune system is overactive in like the case of an autoimmune disorder or whether your immune system is, is kind of like lagging and needs that stimulation, the mushroom kind of goes there and gives it what, what it needs. And I think that's primarily because of the way that the polysaccharides interface with our innate immune system. And they kind of plug in to our immune system. And instead of like being directly stimulating on the immune system, they kind of give our immune system the building blocks that they need you know, it needs to, to be more effective. So, you know, it's like, it crosses the gut, like the gut associated lymph, lymph tissue and is absorbed by these different uh, cells within the immune system. And then it, it just increases the efficacy of, of proliferating the healthy um, cells, like the T cells and the different macrophages and microphages that are necessary for health, healthy um, uh, immune response. And then they also, in that regard too, help to proliferate cells that are able to mark foreign objects within the immune um, web, essentially. And so it, it just leads to why the mushrooms are so effective in cases such as like uh, people who are dealing with cancer and why mushrooms have been used with cancer for so long is because they kind of give the, the immune system that kick that it needs to be able to recognize what's not part of itself, you know, which you can also look at from like a higher um, psycho-spiritual emotional type of level as well and and kind of look at the implications of what that means there but um 
so it helps to mark those things and it also helps proliferation of like killer T cells and multiple mushrooms have shown these types of responses in multiple different types of tests. Um, and then there's also, you know, from the polysaccharides, you're getting uh, healthy blood sugar regulation, um, which can help with things like diabetes. And I just have to put a disclaimer here as well yeah. that I'm, I'm talking about um, I'm talking about like traditional uses of mushrooms in medicine and the research is this doesn't necessarily, this doesn't apply to my products. Um, I just have to make that disclaimer because um, our products haven't gone through the clinical trials um, required to make these kinds of claims, but this is more from like a historical perspective and literature perspective, um, everything that I'm talking about. Um, but those those polysaccharides, you know, they also are helping to regulate healthy cholesterol levels, um, healthy blood pressure, um, healthy blood sugar, as I mentioned already, healthy inflammation response, healthy histamine response. Um, so if you look at any like herb books around the benefits of mushrooms, or if you ever look up like what mushrooms are good for, you often find that it's like pretty tricky to differentiate from mushroom to mushroom of like, okay, well, what do I use this one like specifically for? Because you often get these like really long lists of like, it does this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And, and you get these really long um, lists of uses that are kind of hard to differentiate and be like, okay, well, how then how do I best apply this? Which especially when you're working from like more of an energetic model and you're trying to get like to the root of what's going on and address that, um, you know, at its core, you really are trying to get really specific with the things that you're offering people, um, which is kind of part of the way that I use the planetary influences too, as, as kind of like a directing tool in that way. But then also there's the, you know, the specific nature, but you get this um, kind of innate intelligence from the mushrooms as well in the way that they operate just by the pure fact that they um, have this, this long list of benefits and another kind of cool thing that I tell people, you know, especially when they are trying to take like a, a blend of ours for a certain reason is like, yeah, well, it's blended to intend to support like these systems, but you're also going to get all the other benefits, you know? So it's like lion's mane is in our digestive formula because it's really good for the digestive tract, but you know, lion's mane is also really good for the nervous system in general and for mental clarity and focus and memory it's been shown to help support all of those different systems and you're going to get that as well just from taking that digestive formula so they're kind of unique in that way um, yeah lion's mane makes my brain work real nice probably the way that our brains should optimally i mean should be working naturally you know it's almost like mm -hmm. it's just helping you remember who you are I love the Cordyceps yeah. Lion's Mane blend. It's one of my favorite combos. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so so uh, I can go go a little bit more specifically. I just want to mention too that you know beyond the polysaccharides, a lot of the mushrooms are going to have like sterols and phenols and different kind of compound groups that um, are typically expressing themselves differently. But those are also going to kind of help regulate different things in, in certain ways um, that are going to give 
the mushrooms a lot of kind of like commonality between how they act um, or how they support our um, our body and our systems and our health. Um, but yeah, that that formula, that clarity formula, is really um, uh, you know a lot of our formulas are like this, but we really try to kind of like within the world of the mushrooms guide them or maybe let them guide us to guide them into how they can really effectively work together um, towards different ends, you know, and there's kind of a way to, to formulate um, where you, where you use one as like a lead and based on what you're using as a lead and then what you're using as like supporting herbs in those formulas, um, you can kind of get really specific and like direct it where it needs to go kind of like really hone in on how you want to drive it so there's like similarities as i mentioned like the lion's mane is in our digest formula it's also in our clarity formula but those formulas are used very differently and effective in very different um, ways because of that but um yeah like you were saying lion's mane is is like the best natural source of um supporting neurological health right? So it's helping to support the nervous system. Um, There's a lot of research and evidence saying that different compounds in lion's mane have been supportive in increasing the nerve growth factor, have been supportive in, um, you know, cognitive function and memory. There's an old, I think, Japanese study where in a retirement home, they were giving folks soup with lion's mane in it and then they had a control group and the group that was eating lion's mane like all of these people in this home had some sort of like neurodegenerative um, condition and the folks who were eating lion's mane versus the control every single one of those people cognitively did better by the end of the trial than um, than when they started in some capacity or another um, and yeah, totally. And then, and, and then I've just seen the efficacy of lion's mane as well of like, um, everything from neurological function and how people think and, and kind of like cuts that brain fog to, um, helping to support people through, uh, neuropathy, um, everything from like nerve pain to lack of neural sensation, um, and then the in that formula specifically the clarity formula, reishi and, and cordyceps too also have really strong proclivities towards um, supporting neural health. Yeah, oh, there's so many well-rounded. I, I if you get on your website, which I'll link to in the show, mm-hmm. the amount of <laughs> you're right. Like you look at the different benefits of the different mushrooms and your tinctures, and there's so many benefits, even if you're only taking one of them. So I encourage everyone to, to try this. Um, it has been profound. I mean, really for my creativity and I, mm. I can't like, I'm getting, it's not a withdrawal, but like now that I've gotten to the end of those, the, what was left over, I'm like, um, I'm getting more, you know, it's like, it's coming. So dude, yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing everything you just did. It was uh, explosions of, of knowledge and, and wisdom. And I'm glad that your experience has led you to where you're at. 
in this lifetime and all these trips around the sun and, you know, this blasting off through space. Um, where can everyone get a hold of you? Do you have anything in specific? I've got links of yours I will share, but if you want to share them verbally, that would help too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned a couple of times, um, our kind of primary tenant of my work at this point is uh, feral fungi or feral fungi, however you want to say it. Um, so just feralfungi.com. Uh, you can also email me directly there, just jason at feralfungi.com or hello at feralfungi.com. Um, we're also on Instagram as feral fungi and uh, Facebook as feral fungi. Um, I also have a less uh, um, less curated piece of work uh, called Alchem Mycology. It's the title of my article in Peter McCoy's book, um, Radical Mycology. But I do have a website for that too. It's just alchemmycology.com, which is A-L-C-H-E-M-Y-C-O-L-O-G-Y.com. And um, I'm going to be sharing the, the intention with that is to share a lot more of like the educational side, you know, we're pretty limited on what we can say and what we can talk about through feral fungi, just because we're a supplement. So we can't make any claims, um, but I can share a lot more research through alchem mycology. And that's kind of where a lot more of that research and that education, theoretically, at some point I'm working on some stuff um, that will hopefully be available here in the next year or two. Um, that will be available through that. So those are kind of like the primary networks. I do have social media for Alchem Mycology as well. Um, again, that, that most of the energy at this point goes into feral fungi. Super cool, man. I'm going to link to that um, Alchem Mycology. Yeah, that's that's awesome, dude. I I get like you know, I'm just glowing. I have a lot to go back and listen through again because I learned so much and I really appreciate you spending the time. And I look forward to raging the van up towards Oregon again and uh, um, picking up some samples, but I'm probably going to have to work something out with you to get some shipped uh, in the meantime. And yeah, cool, dude. Like I, yeah, I appreciate it. uh, Absolutely. Well, thank thank you. And thank you for encouraging me. I know it took a while to to get me on here. It's been, pretty crazy as we just moved into a new facility and everything, but um, really appreciate you and, and, you know, the kind words that you shared around what we're doing and, and the way that we make our extracts and the good experiences that you've had with them. So, um, you know, thank you for all of that. And thank you for encouraging me to come on here and taking the time to have this call today and ask questions and to talk. And it's been really enjoyable and maybe we can, uh, take some time at another point and dive more deeply into some of the things that we didn't get to today. Yeah. There's so much, man. I just thinking like every time I have somebody taste one of your tinctures, like every time they're like, it's just this astonishing thing that comes over their face. So that's why I talk about it so much. It's not just the taste. It's the, it's the medicine. Um, and having respect for it, having respect for you for showing up on the, the, the show and yeah, man, Godspeed. Awesome. Thanks, Heath. Um... 
There's a place called space and it's got the magic There's a place called space and it's got the balls There's a place called space and it's got the passion There's a place called space where we can smash the walls There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity And the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth In this place called space we'll build a factory of smiles That will assemble with our minds and sell to earth was a banger man that shit was fucking crunk sitting down here my bathtub lots of these uh steel reserve cans floating around my johnson yeah i love me some fucking steel reserve man i love that uh i love the idea of that mushroom uh tincture too because the only type of mushrooms i ever had they I, I take them with my my cousin over there in the holler and uh we we end up uh, down in the we end up down naked in the water, uh, just getting all fucking crazy, frying some eggs up on the rocks and eating them, and we getting the egg yolk all over our bellies and our tits, and and it was just some stinky shit, man. It was some stinky shit. And if I had some regular mushrooms, I think I could really, I gotta really uh, do something better with my brain, man. I can get out of this place. I could break out of this holler. I could go do some big things around the world, man. You know what I mean? So if you go over there to uh, feralfungi.com and you use that code RAGECREATE, you can get yourself 10% off and you can pour those tinctures all over your nipples and you can come down to the river and have a party with me and Susie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Me and Susie. Yeah. Woo! Woo! <laughs>